Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone. Hello also to those who are watching or listening online. If you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 17. Today, we are going to focus on Jesus' prayer, which comes after his farewell message to his disciples in John 17. It's a longish prayer that at times sounds more like a sermon. Haven't we all heard sermon prayers before where the person praying is speaking both to God and those who are listening in to the prayer? One of my favorites is the prayer for someone in the hospital that includes the room number. Dear Lord, please be with Sister Mildred. She's in room 334. That's the new wing at St. Francis Hospital. Visiting hours are... Okay, the Lord doesn't need any of that information. None of that's for the Lord. He knows where Sister Mildred is. That is an announcement disguised as a prayer. Or when a prayer contains a scripture reference. Lord, as you have told us through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1-7, the Lord knows it's there. He doesn't need help finding it. And parents, who among us have not used prayer as a way to preach to our ungrateful kids when they're complaining about what we said on the dinner table? Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful food in front of us. Help us to be more grateful and less entitled. And Lord, would you remind us that if we don't stop complaining and eat what's on our plate, we will be sent to our room without screen time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go back and listen to that if you need that one for future reference. Sometimes preachers will pray at the end of a sermon as a way of reviewing and summarizing their main points. And this is sort of the way Jesus' prayer functions in John 17. It's a summary of his farewell message, picking up some of the same language, the major themes, but it also reveals Jesus' priorities. In this prayer, we find what is on his heart and mind the night before he's crucified. And the prayer itself breaks up neatly, cleanly into three different sections. It's a three-point prayer. First, Jesus prays for himself. Then he prays for his first original disciples. And then he prays for those who will believe in him because of his disciples' message. And we can use keywords to represent and summarize each of these three sections. This prayer is about glory, mission, and unity. I'll start with the last keyword, unity, because it's the one that applies most directly to us. 
So now we join Jesus' prayer in progress, chapter 17, verse 20. He prays, my prayer is not for them alone, his disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here Jesus is praying for second and third and 23rd generation Christians, which means on the night before Jesus is crucified, he's praying for you, he's praying for me, or more accurately, given what he's praying about, he's praying for us together. He prays for our oneness, for our unity. Now, not just our unity as a congregation, as important as that is, he's also praying for our unity with other believers, other Christians, and other churches in our city and around our world, that they may all be one. And this is important to Jesus because he knows the unity of his disciples helps validate the truth of the gospel by showing that the self-giving love of God revealed in Jesus is also at work in us. Because the opposite is also true. Our lack of unity, our lack of oneness, our inability to get along and work together, our lack of love for one another in the same congregation, but also for other Christians in other congregations, undermines the credibility of the gospel like few things can. As the Cameroon proverb says, when two elephants fight, the grass suffers. And when two Christians or two groups of Christians or two churches fight, it is the world that suffers. Those who are observing Christians who can't get along, who can't work together, who can't maintain their unity in Christ, come to the negative impression, not only of the church, but of the one we follow. Because how can the gospel be true? How can the good news of God's self-giving love revealed in Christ be true if all it seems to produce are selfish Christians who can't get along with one another. And Christian unity is not an end to itself. The goal of unity is not unity. The goal of unity is to demonstrate the power of the gospel for our skeptical neighbors. And in this sense, our unity, much like Jesus' miraculous works, functions as a sign. 
And signs always point to something else. The sign is always pointing somewhere else to something else. Christian unity, our unity, our ability to work together as a congregation, but also our ability as a congregation to work together with other congregations is a sign that points to Jesus's identity as the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Lord. I was part of a conversation with other churches in Allen just a few days ago. Congregation is coming together, wrestling with how could we as a unified presence in our community respond to the recent shooting. And the answers are not quick. The solutions are not easy. But there is a sense in the room that followers of Christ coming together in unity, speaking speaking words of hope and encouragement and truth to our community and to other community leaders has a power in itself. Something positive, something hopeful can happen if Jesus' followers can respond as one. But sometimes Christian unity seems like the biggest miracle of all, doesn't it? Now, our unity can never be separated then from our mission as disciples of Christ. And this brings us to the second key word that captures and summarizes the second section of Jesus's prayer. It's in this middle section, Jesus prays for his disciples who he's sending into the world. Now in the gospel of John, the world is usually described negatively. The world is the realm or the place that is hostile to Jesus and his message. And Jesus is sending his disciples into this hostile world. The same hostile world that is going to reject and crucify him in John 18 and 19. But why, why send his disciples into a hostile world? Why expose them to the risk? Why expose them to adversity, opposition, persecution? Because the mission demands it. Jesus, in this part of the prayer, asks his Father to protect his disciples in a hostile world. Not take them out of it, not keep them out of it, but to protect them while they're in it because they're going into it. Because the mission demands it. Because this hostile world that is antagonistic to Jesus, his message, his messengers, this hostile world is also the world God loves. In 1718, Jesus describes his disciples' mission as an extension of his own. For God so loved the world. Which world? The hostile world. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only Son to show and tell the world the truth about what God is really like. And for the Son so loved the world. Which world? The hostile world. That he sent his disciples into the world to testify that Jesus is telling the truth about what God is really like. And the shape, then, of our mission 
as disciples of Christ is shaped by Christ's mission. This is what he prays about in the first section of his prayer. He says in chapter 17, verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is where the prayer starts preaching a little bit. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Key word for this section is glory. Jesus glorifies his Father by finishing the work that his Father gave him to do. And part of Jesus' work was doing miraculous signs like turning water into wine or raising Lazarus from the dead to point to the life-giving power of God. But his work also included revealing God's self-giving, sacrificial love by laying down his life on the cross. And having finished his work of revealing both the breadth of God's life-giving power and the depth of God's self-giving love, Jesus can say on the cross before he dies, it is finished. What's finished? His work of revealing the truth about God. And so the Son glorifies the Father on the cross, and the Father glorifies the Son by raising him from the dead and restoring him to his place of glory in heaven by his Father's side, which he occupied before the world was created. And it is this mutual glorification, the circle dance of God, that makes known the truth about who God is and what God is really like. It is this Mutual glorification, the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father working together that invites us to believe and receive eternal life. And it is this mutual glorification that shows us how to accomplish our mission by maintaining our unity as disciples of Christ. The model for our unity is the oneness displayed between the Father and Son who shared a common purpose. They were working together to reveal God's life-giving power and God's self-giving love so that a hostile, rebellious world can be saved. And working together for the same purpose, toward the same end, they glorified one another. A diverse church is a sign pointing to the wall-destroying power of God. And a church comprised of people from many different racial, cultural, socioeconomic backgrounds is a testimony to the truth of the gospel. But we, as a church do not fulfill our mission or maintain our unity by focusing on what makes us different. 
We accomplish our mission and maintain our unity by focusing on what brings us together in Christ. I like the way my friends Randy Harris and Greg Taylor say it in their little book about the Gospel of John. They say the answer to Jesus' prayer for the unity of all Christians is not Christians from all over the world coming together from all different directions to emphasize what makes them different. That will only produce more division. The answer to Jesus' prayer for unity is Christians from all over the world focusing on and drawing closer to the cross where God's self-giving love, God's sacrificial glory is displayed. Because when we all are moving closer to the cross, we are also all moving closer together. And as we come closer to the cross, it is the cross that shapes who we are, how we live, and how we love. So that the glory of God's self-giving love is displayed in the way we love one another. May God bring us together and make us one. And may God use our unity, our oneness, to move God's mission forward. And may God use our unified mission to shine the light of his glory into a dark world. Please be standing for the benediction. This benediction comes from Psalm 133. Read this out loud with me, please. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.